ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ارسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا الى الله باذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون وقال يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال النبي محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم ان لصدق الحديث كتاب الله ان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار my dear respected brothers sisters elders we are restarting the series of khutab on the rights of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wa sahbihi wasallam and since we are restarting after a break of about 6 weeks from before ramadan and a couple of weeks after ramadan i thought let me quickly recap for you what those rights are the reason rights are important is because it is obligatory to fulfill them and we will be questioned about them and when those are the rights of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself then the matter becomes even more serious the rights of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam on his ummah are seven the first one is adab wa ihtiram the utmost respect and honor for rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the second one is itaat to obey rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam without question not because it is blind obedience but because we obey him because he is saying so number 3 ittiba which is to emulate to follow to imitate him in every aspect of life number 4 is hubb or muhabbat to love rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam over and above everyone and everything else except allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number 5 is our right is his right over us with respect to his ahlul bait to his family and by ahlul bait here we do not restrict it to a certain number of people for us the ahlus sunnah the ahlul bait is whoever rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam called ahlul bait and with respect to that it's our duty and his right upon us that we honor them and respect them him and his family over everyone else and every other family including our own Number 6 is nusrat is to help Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in every way which in our case means to help the work of his deen to help his mission to take the name of Allah and the deen of Allah to every living human being on the face of the earth and number 7 is to accept his judgment to accept his ruling to accept what he ruled 
in all matters without any resistance. By the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we spoke about the first two of these rights, which is adab wa ihtiram and itaat before Ramadan. And today I will speak about the third one, which is ittiba. Ittiba is to follow and emulate and imitate him in every way. When implementing quality standards in the corporate world, one of the most common and powerful ways is to choose a best practice from any company and to follow it. For example, when GE in 1990, when GE wanted to introduce Six Sigma quality, they took the best practice from Motorola because in Motorola was the man who uh, was the author of Six Sigma quality, a man called Michael Harry, and GE took Six Sigma best practices from Motorola. And this is the common thing for anything. The reason obviously is because the best practice is proof of concept and the evidence that that method works. So you don't have to experiment, you don't have to fail, you know it works, you follow that method. The one who's following a best practice is free from the risk of failure because he or she is following a method which has proved to be successful. All the follower must do is to ensure that he follows that method perfectly and his own success is assured. Now who is more successful than the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Himself presented as the best example to be followed where Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said in Surah Al-Ahzab لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Allah said there is surely a good example, the best example for you to follow in the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu for the one who hopes to meet Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and who looks forward to the Day of Judgment and remembers Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala abundantly. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala told us that to follow Rasulullah is the best way and that his entire life in all its aspects is the best example for anyone who looks forward to meeting Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and the Day of Judgment and is engaged in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout his life. That is the definition of a Muslim. In short, the answer to the question, who is a Muslim? Is the one whose life resembles the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Bonus of course is that the life of Rasulullah is also the best way to live in this world. Because of which you would become the most beloved, the most influential, the most popular person in your community. And after all, show me somebody who is kind and compassionate and just and courageous and helpful and charitable, has the best manners, is generous and hospitable, is cheerful and friendly. And I will show you someone who is the most beloved of all those he encounters. It's as simple as that. If you have these qualities, people will love you. And that's the secret of influence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed us how to become influential. Add to that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about the real reward for emulating Rasulullah and doing his ittiba. And that real reward, he did not define 
in transient worldly terms. Instead, he Jalla Jalaluhu said, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, which means, Say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to all of mankind. If you really love Allah, then emulate me. Make my ittiba. Imitate me. In what? In everything. And what will happen? Then Allah will love you. And what is the boundary condition? What is the basic minimum for somebody who Allah loves? Allah will forgive his sins. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is oft forgiving, most merciful. Let's reflect on this. Reflect on this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say that the reward of doing the ittiba of Rasulullah is something that can be defined and measured, even if it is Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that the reward of ittiba, which is the true sign of love, is that Allah will love the one who does the ittiba of the one that he Jalla Jalaluhu loves. Just stop for a while. Reflect on this and ask yourself, what does it mean that Allah will love me? What does that really mean? I don't mean mean as in the translation of it. I mean inside here. What does it mean? If Allah loves you, what does it mean? What's the benefit? Is there any benefit of Allah loving me? Again, not the intellectual answer, right? That's a dumb answer. Anybody will say, oh, really inside here, do you feel that? Is there a benefit in Allah loving you? Is there a benefit in Allah loving me? Inside here, not up here. In my view, the basic minimum, at the very least, it means freedom from Jahannam, inshallah. Because how can the fire burn somebody who Allah loves? How can somebody who Allah loves go to Jahannam? The key is to emulate Rasulullah and become the beloved of Allah. There have been many movements in the world where people claimed to love Allah. One of the famous ones was the Bhakti movement in, in India. And those people who are from India or know something about that, you would have heard the names of Kabir Das and Mirabai and so on. These are people who are poets. Right? So in the Bhakti movement, they wrote about, they wrote about the greatness and glory of God and, and so on and so on and so on. So there were many movements where people claim to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but only one where there is a guarantee of response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is in the emulation, the ittiba of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Think about how beautiful and comforting that is to know that our devotion will not be wasted. And even more to know that the reward of loving Rasulullah sallallahu and demonstrating that love by emulating him is that Allah will love us. Now there's a very different, there's a very important difference between itaat and ittiba, between emulation and obedience. Itaat is obedience. For you to do itaat, for me to obey, an instruction is required. Right? So if I ask my brother here and say, Ahmad, can you please get me a, a glass of water? So I'm requesting it. Now, whether he does it or he doesn't do it, is the response. So I said, can you get me a glass of water? He said, yes, I can. This is my capability. But grammatically, what you asked me is wrong. 
You never asked me to get you a glass of water. You asked me, am I capable of getting you a glass of water? English grammar. If I said, will you please get me a glass of water? That's a different instruction from can you get me? Right? So if I ask something and he does not do it, then he has not obeyed. But without asking something, if I tell him, Aman, you're disobeying me. What's he going to tell me? He will tell me, you never told me anything. It's zulum on me. You're telling me I disobeyed you. Never, you never told me to do anything. How can I disobey or obey? Right? But ittiba, the emulator emulates because he or she loves the one he emulates. Right? Our whole society is full of people who emulate icons. Sports icons, film icons, pop icons, rock icons, you name icons. They dress like them, they have hairstyles like them, they wear their caps in that way, they wear the, the kind of sneakers that they wear, these people wear, and so on and so on. Stop any one of them and say, you are emulating so and so. Does that person, did that person ask you to do that? What's the answer? That person doesn't even know you exist. How can he ask you to do anything? Right? That person does not even know that you exist. Yet you do that. Why? Because you love that person. Because you love that person, because you would like to be identified with that person. That is the power of ittiba. Because the one who is emulating, it's the surest sign of love. Because the emulator wishes to be identified with the one that he is emulating. And those who love the original also love to see the imitation because it reminds them of the original. The love for the original spills over onto the emulator. They love the emulator not for himself but for the one that he is emulating. And that is why the one who loves Muhammad وسلم, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to tell the people to emulate him so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love them. I remind myself and you that the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unlike our love for anyone or anything else. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unlike anyone and anything else. Our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is expressed through our obedience to him. And the first and most important, the biggest sign of our, of our love for Allah is Salah. Salah is the physical manifestation of the evidence of our belief in La ilaha illallah. That there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. We believe this in our hearts. We say it with our tongues. And we demonstrate our faith by establishing Salah. This is what differentiates us as Muslims. That we pray. Ibn Umar narrates that Rasulullah said the place of Salah in religion is like the place of the head in the body. <coughs> and this is in Tirmidhi. In another hadith, Rasulullah said, Al-Ahadu alladhi baynana wa baynahum as-salah, faman aradaha faqad kafara. So, kama qala alayhi salatu wasalam, he said the differentiate or the dividing line, the ahad, the covenant, the promise, the, 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 the oath between them and us, meaning between people who are not believers and the Muslims, is the salah, the one who leaves it, has left Islam.
has committed kufr. Now there's a difference of opinion in the scholars what exactly that means, how many salah and so on, I won't go into that now. But this is how serious salah is. Abu Darda radiallahu narrated that Rasulullah he said, my friend Muhammad وسلم, gave me the following advice. He said, even if you are chopped up and burnt, do not associate partners with Allah. And do not miss your fard salah deliberately. Allah will remove his protection from a person who misses his fard salah deliberately. And this is in Musnad Imam Ahmad, Ibn Majah and in Bayhaqi. Abdullah ibn Qurt radiallahu narrates that Rasulullah said on the day of judgment a slave will be questioned about his salah first. If his salah is good then other deeds will be good. If his salah is bad other deeds will also be bad. We ask Allah for his protection. And this is in Tabarani. أقول قولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله وصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد. narrated Malik bin Huwairis and this is one of the most one of my favorite hadith. He said we came to Rasulullah sallam and stayed with him for twenty days, twenty days and nights, and this was a group of young people, probably teenagers, maybe even younger than that. We were all young and of, and of about the same age. Rasulullah was very kind and merciful. When he realized our longing for our families, he asked about our homes and people there. And we told him. Then he asked us to go back to our families and stay with them and teach them the religion and to order them to do good things. He also mentioned some other things. And uh, Malik bin Huwari said some things I remembered, some things I forgot. And then he said, Rasulullah then said, Pray as you have seen me praying. Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. And when it is time for salah, one of you should call the adhan and the oldest of you should lead the salah. And this is a say hadith in Bukhari. What is the meaning of pray as you have seen me pray? Inshallah, maybe next Juma I will talk some more detail about that. The big mistaken opinion in the, in the minds of people. What is the meaning of pray as you have seen me pray? It's very important to understand that because that is the only salah which is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not whatever you decide to do or I decide to do. So it's very important to understand how Rasulullah prayed. And to pray that way. Exactly or at least as close to that as possible. If there is a difference, it must be because of a mistake, not because deliberately we 
do something wrong. So we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worship him by emulating Muhammad Rasulullah in the way he worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the most powerful example of ittiba of Rasulullah The one who does it is standing in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and making sujood before the arsh of Allah and speaking to his Rabb Jalla Jalaluhu who is listening to him. If only we realize and understand the true magnificence of Salah and its power. Let us remember that no matter how much we claim to love Allah, there is only one way to worship him and that is the way that Rasulullah wasallam taught. There is no other way. Anyone who seeks a way different from that of Rasulullah will have it rejected. The one who emulates, makes ittiba of Rasulullah will be loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the one who doesn't is rejected. I remind myself and you that the most important emulation of Rasulullah is in his biggest sunnah, which was his mission in the world, which is presenting Islam. While every sunnah is important because it is part of the whole, that is the whole life which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced him and told us to follow. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Rasulullah and his own introduction. And he introduced him by his mission. And Allah honored us by saying that to invite towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the mission of Rasulullah and the mission of those who follow him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِ أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ He asked Nabi to introduce himself in this way. قُلْ say, هَذِهِ سَبِيلِ أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرَةٍ أَنَا وَمَنِ اتَّبَعَنِي وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ He said which means, say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sabi wa sallam, this is my way. I invite towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with evidence, with sure knowledge. I and whoever makes my ittiba, ana wa manittaba'ani, the one who makes my ittiba. He did not say the I and the one who obeys me, no. Ittiba is above and higher than obedience. Because ittiba comes from love. Obedience can also be because of fear. Obedience can be because of greed. Obedience can be for a number of reasons. But ittiba is only for one reason. And that is the love of the one you are emulating. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here, Say, this is my way I invite unto Allah with sure knowledge. I and whoever makes my ittiba and glorified and exalted is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I am not of the mushrikun. I am not of the polytheists. What greater honor than to introduce the creator and sustainer and to invite them to thank him and worship him as it is his right to be worshipped and to live our lives with one purpose only, which is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalalu. Let us remember, my brothers and sisters, that the most powerful way in which Rasulullah did his da'wah was through his own manners and dealings. Not with debates and not with arguments and not even with bayans. People came to Islam because, not because of debates and lectures and not even because of war, because there were no wars that he fought for that reason. They came to Islam because of the akhlaq of Rasulullah and his sahaba who made his ittiba, who emulated him. 
Imam Az-Zuhri rahmatullahi the teacher of Imam Malik bin Anas rahmatullahi he said Islam spread the fastest after Fatah Makkah because for the first time people were able to see the lives of ordinary Muslims up close. Remember he didn't say that people were able to see Rasulullah's life up close. Naturally not many people had access to the Prophet It was the lives of ordinary people who emulated him. The farmers and carpenters and shepherds and shopkeepers and traders and caravan leaders and the people in the markets of Makkah and Medina. These were the people who inspired others because they imitated, emulated and they were like Muhammad sallallahu These were the people who inspired others and introduced Islam to others to share that goodness. And that is our task today. How can we live our lives so that they become an inspiration for others. The ittiba of the sunnah is fard. There's a great misconception that the ittiba of the sunnah is left to our discretion and fancy. Do it if you want. If you don't do it, there's no problem. This is a very, very big mistake. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasized that not only is it fard, but it is the only way to earn the love of Allah and the forgiveness that, that he promised when we meet him. Those who discount the sunnah, especially those who are dismissive about it or who decry it and as being unimportant, they not only display their ignorance, but depending on what they say and how they say, they might end up committing kufr and exiting Islam altogether. The sunnah is the fabric of Islam. It is the tapestry into which is woven the entire template of Islamic culture and tradition. The fard, the aqidah and the fard, the aqaid and the faraid. They are like the foundation of a building and the pillars. The sunnah are the walls, the doors, the windows, the furnishings, the roof, and everything which makes that building into a home. If you only have the foundation and you have four pillars standing, you can't live in that. That's not a home. That's a structure, all right, but it's not a home. You can't live in that. To live in that, you have to do a lot more. And that more is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The types of sunnah are different. Rasulullah emphasized some things and he simply did others without emphasizing. For example, the beard and the miswak. The beard, Rasulullah did it and he emphasized it and he ordered it. The miswak, he only did it. So the type of sunnah is different, but they are both sunnah. Ittiba is an expression of love. We display that which we are proud of which we believe adds value to us. When you buy a, a high-value car, you buy a BMW or a Maserati or a, or a Ferrari and so on and so forth, and if someone tells you, take off that logo, like take off the horse, why do you need the horse on the Ferrari? Put your name instead. Eh? Take off the Maserati logo, take off the BMW, will you, will you do it? Why not? It's the same car. The logo is not part of the engine. You'll never do it. Why? Because you think that logo adds value to you. Yes? All that the logo is showing is that you got bad financial sense. You put a lot of money into a depreciating value, but you don't see it like that, right? Ahmad is laughing. My brothers and sisters, Ittiba differentiates us. It defines us. It gives us a sense of belonging and associates us with the asal. 
the originer who is being emulated. Ask yourself, do you want to be associated with Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam? And if you do not want to be associated with Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, ask yourself, who do you want to be associated with? The imitator is delighted when people forget him and remember the one that he is imitating. And that is the essence of love. To love to be mistaken for the one you love. There's a wonderful story about Musa alayhi salam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala killed all the people of Firaun except one. And that one guy that Allah saved was the one who used to make fun of Musa alayhi salam. He used to mock Musa alayhi salam in the, in, in the court of Firaun. He used to you know, do all sorts of imitations and mockery of Musa alayhi salam. So Musa alayhi salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Musa alayhi salam said, Ya Allah, this is the one you should have killed the first time. Before everybody else. Why do you save him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, Ya Musa, he used to imitate you. I love that. I saved him. Hmm? Even though his imitation was for, for the wrong reason. Not because, he didn't love Musa. He, he hated Musa. So he, still, Allah said, Allah, he looks like Musa. Save him. Huh? I want to end with this. Let our appearance, our manners, our lives, and our deaths be like the one who Allah loves. Be like the one who Allah loves. So that the malaika will look at us and say, there goes a Muhammadi. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jala jala ruhu, to fill our hearts with the love and izzah and the ikram of Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jala jala ruhu, to look at us and to see a reflection of his Habib in our lives, in every aspect. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jala jala to decree that when we meet him, we will be gathered with Rasulullah because we loved him. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jala jala to enable us to do everything which pleases him and to save us from everything which does not please him. ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر لنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكننا من الخاسرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا ضعب النار آمين يا رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يعمر بالأذل والإحسان وإتائز القربة وينحى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعزكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكروا الله يذكركم عذو يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تشعرون أقيم السلام الله أكبر الله أكبر